You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. I'm a pretty enthusiastic person. I run on high-octane conviction. I want to do stuff a lot. Those of you that know me know this about me. I I have a a real capacity to be excited. Um, But the flip side of that is that I am also, I'm I'm pretty high up, so my crest falls are, 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 are plummets. And I can get I can get down. I need I need something to really keep me going because the despair is kind of right there. If I'm not really up, getting really down is possible for me. And that's kind of that's one of the main reasons that I'm a Christian. I needed a big enough story that could uh, keep propelling me at that high enough energy level. Something that could use all of my passion and purpose on a consistent enough level. To, to keep me going when, um, you know, the world is as it is, full of liars and evil and, it, and just intractable disagreement. Uh, following Jesus is just about the only thing that has stood up to the intensity of that um, edge of despair that I find myself on because it just kind of, it kind of just, I, because I am the way that I am, I don't often like pay that too much attention to the, the darkness that the, that the lantern is shining through. And um, it, it sneaks up on me and it kind of blindsides me. Like even, even in my body sometimes, I'm stressed out and I don't even know it. I don't know, I don't know if you, I know that you're not all like totally enthusiastic like I am, like you don't have the exact same personality trait as me. Some of you do, um, looking at a couple people. Um, and, uh, but, but whatever it is, we have to pay attention to it. Whatever it is that's going to uh, bring us down, what's going to blindside us, what's going to keep us from uh, hoping, what's going to keep us uh, in seeing the light is, I think, uh, a journey. Um, it's a journey of becoming who we are. Like, who I am is grounded in a, in a kind of like a short span of time when I was just a little baby, having this kind of traumatic experience of being separated from my mother that I don't even remember, but the psychologists tell me happened. Psychologists and therapists can tell you more about this later. Um, but this, I, I'm reading this book, and, and she's a psychologist, so that's where I'm getting it from. It's called uh, Necessary Losses. It was written in 1986, but it's still like so, it's resonating, it's so truthful for me. I'm like, wow, this is like 30 years old, but it's like, I think that's actually like a, uh, an endorsement. The fact that it's still like kind of so true is that they, she must have really hit this universal chord and expressed this universal experience in such a way that 30 years later, this guy is like blown away by it. Because there's this, I want to I want to help us take this this journey. No, we're not gonna take it. I just want to describe it. You know, uh, from separation back to connection. Because at the heart of the human experience, like I said, is this traumatic separation from our mother. That's what Judith is telling me, and we have no idea about it very much, and how it happened, and how our parents reacted, and how you know whatever the circumstances were 
plays a big part in like who I am and why I need Jesus in the way that the specific way that I do and in the specific way that you do, how you are put together has a lot to do with what was happening, you know, when you were very small. So she describes this basic loss of human development the separation that occurs at the beginning of every child's life. Um, there was this moment in all of our lives when we realized that we were not the same as our mother, that her body and blood were no longer our body and blood, that where I, my fingers ended, hers did not continue. And it's like when, they're, when you're super small, realizing, oh, these are hands. That's actually like a traumatic thing because it was so safe to just be completely dependent and so at one with another being. And it kind of plays itself out um, over the years. It's been my experience that Jesus helps address this trauma by providing a love that, that hasn't suffered that same loss. Because my mother, your mother, also experienced that separation at this kind of unconscious level. And it kind of played out in all of these different ways. And I'm not talking about when she was doing it with you. I'm talking about when she was a baby and when her mom was a baby. And it goes back and it goes back and it goes back and it's kind of like elemental to what it means to be a human being to have this kind of underlying really difficult thing happen. And the really difficult things that happen in, in all of that kind of, the sound waves kind of crashing together in this amazing, beautiful, disastrous piece of music. So much of the demands and imperfections of the love that we have received in this world stem in one way or another from this basic trauma and its aftermath. This universal separation that we are all trying to heal is healed in Jesus because Jesus didn't have to overcome what we, what we, he doesn't give a love in the same way that humans do. He gives a perfect love. I imagine that Jesus had to do this human thing of separation from Mary, his mom, and it was similarly psychologically, but then he had this perfect connection with God that, that healed it. And he offers us now that kind of perfect love that helps us connect with God in a way that might even heal that basic human separation that haunts all of us. So I wanna look at Jesus observing this problem and uh, and, and, and see how it plays out. Will someone read, it's, 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 a, it's a little passage here in Luke 11, it's eight verses. Someone with a strong voice, read that out for us. It's coming. <laughs> then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he go to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, 
uh, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, of you parents, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thanks, Ed. I see I, met, I, I mixed up my, I was trying to change it to all gender inclusive language there, and I missed that hymn that I would crossed out. This text, of course, has me thinking about my own childhood and my experience with my parents, that separation, uh, because it, you know, it has this, this relationship with parent and child in it. There's even a relationship of parent and child in the top story um, because the, the children are all there in bed. It's a very family little section here in Luke 11. Um, I'm told that I was what you might call a spirited child. Uh, uh, scratch that, I was bouncing off the walls. My mom likes to tell a story about this realization that she had when I was about six or seven, and she was at the brink of going crazy trying to relate to me. And it dawned on her that the average kid might be expecting to do five or six things uh, in a day. And, and I woke up with like 50 or 60 things that were really important to me to, to, to do that day. And this realization, this difference that she realized about me helped my mom to have compassion on me when, it was, when I was so very upset by the 49th no I had received. She says that she had to reconsider how to work with me through that disappointment. She still had to say no a lot, and, and I was still disappointed a lot, but she considered me. She thought about me, and she loved me where I was at. Instead of building a wall of frustration between us, she figured out how to say yes to more things, which involved a bit of engineering on her, her, on her part. She asked, how can I create a situation where I can say yes to Ben? Some good motherhood. But I was still disappointed. My mom did not supply all of my emotional needs despite her best efforts. And, as I've already established, I think no human mother does. My mother, uh, godlike as she may have appeared to me, did not and could not meet all of my needs. And the other thing is that she knew that. She actually built an intentional community around me and my brothers to, to supplement that love. And we lived in this kind of radical environment, people always living in the house with us, part of the church, doing something that was um, very Jesus-centric and very love-oriented, figuring stuff out. I had lots of aunts and uncles in Christ that were not my aunts and uncles that, 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 that I could trust and love, but still, it wasn't enough. I took this premarital counseling class when I was in seminary, and my professor led us through this exercise where we were uh, doing some like deep remembering. And she, she had me think about the, the, the home of my childhood and she got us in this real meditative place where I was imagining what color the walls were, what color the floor is, like just really got us really in that space. And then she asked us, who was there 
And I had this just gut-wrenching moment that I was alone. Despite the fact that I was surrounded all the time, all these brothers, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, all these people in my house that loved me, and this memory just sneaks up on me that I was alone. And it was, again, I was blindsided that there was this loneliness deep in my memory, like this untouched loneliness that was part of my childhood that I was completely unaware of, and it slew me. I wept there in the classroom with 40 people, and they all left, and she came and gave me a pat or something like that and left too, but I was just, I was stuck there for a while. It was a pretty transformative moment for me to discover this loneliness, despite a narrative that didn't really correspond to it. I think this is what Jesus is saying when he calls his listeners here, you who are evil. See where it says, which of you parents, if your child asks for a fish? And it says, even you who are evil know to give good gifts to your children. I think that he's talking about this basic human brokenness. Evil sounds real judgy, but I think that's what he's doing. You who are evil, you who live in this cycle of brokenness, that's just basic. That just is the way that it is. You who are evil. That's what Jesus is talking about. Um, this, uh, this story, let's look at this story here in Luke and kind of what Jesus is trying to do. There are two stories that kind of form this sandwich. Um, <laughs> that's a burger, ti- burger time sandwich in case you didn't recognize it uh, that I made with insert shapes on PowerPoint. Um, But there's these two stories that Jesus tells that kind of surround this central promise. Um, There's the story at the top about the friend who's coming at midnight. There's a story at the bottom about scorpions and fishes. Um, And in the middle, there's this promise from Jesus. So let's start with the bread, though. C.H. Dodd is this biblical scholar who who describes parables. These are both parables at the top and the bottom. Um, As a metaphor or simile drawn from nature or common life, arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about its precise application to tease it into active thought. Often the disciples don't get the parables. And too often we boil them down to their Sunday school version and refuse to let them arrest us. So I got arrested by these stories this week and and in my incarceration by this text, the the truth that is bubbling out to me is, is that the same kind of bread is on the top as is on the bottom. The evil parents of the bottom bread are like the evil friend at the top. And so to call, Jesus called the people at the bottom evil, but I'm calling the guy at the top evil. That's my, that's me. And to call that friend who doesn't want to get out of bed in the middle of the night to help his ill-prepared neighbor evil, I know is a bit harsh. But what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing out the, the human brokenness, the basic human brokenness of their relationship. Verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, 
Yet because of the man's boldness, there it is again, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. It's not really out of love that his, his friend uh, gets up to help his neighbor. It's because the guy won't stop knocking. It's easier for everyone if you just give him what he wants. I can't imagine that Jesus is saying that, that God responds to our prayers begrudgingly like that. No, I think that Jesus is describing how we work. I think most of the parables are like this. I, 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 I'm finding this more and more, and I should probably do more research so I can say it more universally. But a lot of the times what Jesus is doing in the parables is saying, check this out. This is how we are. This is what it means to be a human being, and I'm offering you uh, an alternative, or I'm offering you a deeper version of this. So like this relationship that's getting described in the top, totally common, you know, like they, they, they and it, it seems weird because like the kids are all in bed and why are you knocking on my door? Like basically like, okay, I guess I'm just supposed to help people when they knock on the door or something. No, I think that he's talking like, no, this is how you work. I don't, I don't think Jesus is saying you're wrong even for working like this. In this situation, you're going to get up because he's being annoying, not because you want to. Like no one in that situation wants to get up and help somebody. And you, and you should, like, if, you, like if, you, if, you, if you've received that you should feel bad because, like, you're just a grouchy person at midnight, like, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, no, this is how you work. This is how humans are. And likewise, at the bottom, um, he's saying, this is how parents are. They're going to do the, the, the basic right thing. You know, they, they, can, they can give, you know, a fish and not a scorpion. But it's, it's hard to give more. Um, it's hard to give everything a child needs. In fact, it's impossible. So Jesus is kind of establish, establishing, yo, this is how human relationships work. This is how you are. And I'm saying, there's a basic separation that you're dealing with, and it didn't go that well because you're a human being. That's how you are. But, Jesus says here in the middle, and I think that this highlight, you know, this kind of sandwich that Luke is making, highlights the middle part. It's like a literary device that says, here's the, the crux of the, of the situation. Here's my argument. Here's my alternative. Look at this. Jesus says, I have a better way of relating. I'm not like you. Not in every way. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I say to you, that's the key. Jesus says it. I, me, Jesus. Not your friend, not your parents, me. The one whose love is perfect. The one who died for your sin. The one who conquered death and rose again, me, I say this. Jesus is begging you to ask and to keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. And he's saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to give you good things. And because we are who we are, because we have parents like the parents that we have, 
because we're going to be only begrudgingly get up for our friend in the middle of the night, because that's the way that we are, it's really hard to ask and keep asking. It's really hard to seek as if I were actually going to find something. To knock and someone, no, they're not going to open the door. I would never open the door, so why would they? We need someone different. We need someone who has a different experience of being a human that's able to interrupt that cycle because if it's up to people like me, I don't think it's going to happen, so I'm not even going to try. But so Jesus is trying to wake us up. He's trying to arrest us, get us thinking there might actually be a different way to be a human being. There might actually be a Father in heaven who's going to give you every good thing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sees our broken relationships. Jesus sees the separation that is at the core of who we are, and he describes it in a way that invites us into it, invites us into ourselves. Yes, this is who you are. This is how you work. You would do that with your friend at midnight, wouldn't you? He's inviting you in. That Yes, get with me on this. I know what it's like. I know that feeling, and we all do. He wants, though, to make that connection. He doesn't have, like, you know, there's not a snap for this. You know, he's not, he's not going to touch everyone and heal all of their psychological wounds. It's not going to be that simple. And I think that's why he's, he's, he's not just, like, saying, you know, this is the mantra that you should say in order to fix thyself. That's why he's always talking in parables. Because he's trying to wake us up. He's trying to do something. That, that invites us into the process and engages our mind and our heart and our soul and our whole being in a transformation. And the only thing that he has to offer us is himself. The, the, the answer for that separation that we've all experienced is connection with Jesus. And, and, I, and I've experienced some healing just being next to Jesus, but I can't explain it to you. I can't, like give, I can't give you a step-by-step. Step. And even if I were good at writing books, I, I probably, I don't think it's going to be something that is just so matter-of-fact. It's going to be Jesus' presence. It's going to be this connection. It's going to be this heart work that just keeps going, keeps convincing you that, that, yes, when you knock, the door will open. Yes, he is there at midnight. For you, He is going to give you a good thing. And it takes time. It's a journey. It, 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 we need to be retrained. Our hearts are broken. And, and some of them worse than others. Some, for some of us, that separation from mother was incredibly traumatic. Talking about mom is really hard at all. It's hard for all of us. And we can, we, can, we can get together on that, but I also want to acknowledge that for others it's like impossible. And so Jesus has to do even, even bigger um, gestures <laughs> to convince us, bigger, bi keep, keep finding new ways to, to wake us up to a, a new kind of thinking. And I think he's actively doing that now. Just as he was getting with these people and telling stories that they understood, you know, I don't think any of us like 
are going to give a scorpion. Maybe some of you live in desert areas uh, or have, you know, that there's that, that kind of, but like it's contextualized. It's there for them. And he's doing that there for us now. So Jesus is inviting us into this rhythm of life, this journey towards connection. Uh, ask, seek, knock, repeat. We're, we're always in need of getting next to Jesus. We're always in need of getting next to Jesus again. After all, we, though we are evil, are loved by a father who sent his son to be with us in the depth of our need. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is God's ultimate way of creating a way to say yes to us, to stay connected, and to unmake that basic separation. So let me pray, and you can get a chance to talk back to this. Thank you for the love that casts out fear, God, for the gift of your presence by the power of your Holy Spirit, for Jesus' undaunted search to show us his love, to open the door to us, to give to us, to be found by us. We want to do that. Help us move in that direction. Heal these wounds. See them, know them, and do what you do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.